We uh, have several uh, men in our church who used to pastor churches, and now they attend here and uh, don't. They just keep an eye on me and Aaron and Gary. Uh, so, uh, you know, I figure that we need that much adult supervision. Um, but we seem to attract them. And, and so every once in a while, we want to turn them loose. And I know you guys get tired of the same steady diet of me just being real emotional and flamboyant. <laughs> right. So, uh, a little different. I'm going to give you a little bit of a different flavor this morning. I'm going to invite John Kemp up to bring the word. So, John, welcome. Hey, man, I appreciate that. You know, talking about that flamboyancy, I was talking to the Lord about that. I said, you know, Lord, you know, when I preach, I, I get to a point where I feel like jumping tall pews in a single bound, you know. I'll bust a step in a minute. <laughs> I said, but, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there in age now, you know, uh, pushing 60. Well, I am 68. I'll be 69 in January. I'm like, Lord, so my, my step has slowed down a bit. So if you spare me the embarrassment of trying to jump over pews this morning, I, I had appreciate it very much. But uh, uh, I want to open in prayer. But before I do, uh, I, I want to share um, a word that the Lord gave, me, uh, gave to me uh, about David. And in Psalm 40, David was talking about the fact that uh, he was serving God. He was waiting on the Lord. And, uh, uh, and yet he found himself in a miry pit. And uh, if you know anything about walking with the Lord, there are times when even when you're being your most faithful, you may find yourself in a miry pit of some sort, be it financially, emotionally, whatever it may be. But uh, David, even in the midst of that, you know, he, he said he just kept waiting on the Lord, meaning he's kept serving God. And I want to encourage you, no matter what pit you might find yourself in today, you need to keep pressing on and worshiping God and serving God, and giving him the praise. Amen. And don't let that pit bring you down. Let the Lord lift you up. In fact, that's what David said. He said, man, the Lord inclined his ear to me. He heard my cry and he picked me up got me out of that miry clay, but it didn't stop there. I'd be happy about that if the Lord just took me out of a pit I found myself in and put me on a, uh, a, a, in a different place. But David said, not only did God take him out of miry pit, but he put his feet on the rock. Amen. And that rock is Jesus. Glory to God. And that's why the word says that our rock is greater than their rock or you know their rock is not like our rock we got the rock of salvation amen glory to god he's the rock that's higher than i am and so i thank god that when he delivers us he puts us squarely on jesus <laughs> because that's what's going to keep you in the right place amen and so this morning i want to uh, pray real quick and then we're going to get into this word that i appreciate uh, pastor tony uh, giving me the opportunity to share. I asked him if I could share this word, and uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity. In fact, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in just uh, patting people on the back for the sake of it, but um, like so many of you, uh, I appreciate the ministry that God's given to Pastor Tony, uh, Pastor Gary, Pastor Aaron. 
uh, they are men of God. And if they weren't, I wouldn't have been here with my wife for over 15-something years now. And some of you well over that, into the high 20s and even the 30s, I guess, in terms of the number of years. But that's because the word alive is worth the drive. Amen. And so I don't mind driving that little bit to get here because I always expect to hear from God in some way. And uh, I always do. And so um, if you would, I would like to give the men of God and the elders and the deacons here at the church that serve so faithfully just a round of applause. And thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. So let's pray and then we'll get into this word because I only got 35 minutes and I'm eating them up. All right. <laughs> All right. So, Lord, we thank you this morning. Lord, I ask you that uh, that you look over your people and for those that may find themselves in a miry pit this morning, unable to extricate themselves, that they would continue to be faithful to you in the midst of that place, knowing that, Lord, that you hear their cry, you hear our cry and that, Lord, um, uh, you will bring deliverance. That, Lord, you will bring us out of that miry pit and put us on the rock that's higher than we are. The rock of our salvation. Uh, the rock of the nations. The rock of ages. Glory to God. Uh, the rock that the world cannot understand. And that if they do not turn to, Lord, they'll find themselves crushed by uh, Lord, uh, we pray that that uh, not occur, that salvation would come to all. And we thank you this morning for speaking to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So for those that may have missed uh, uh, Pastor Tony's uh, uh, introduction of me, uh, I want to remind you that uh, for those that are visiting, that obviously I'm not Pastor Tony. <laughs> uh, and I want to encourage you to come back and, and have an opportunity to hear the word of God um, uh, when he's bringing it, which uh, should be next week, right? Yeah. Amen. So we're looking forward to that and um, give God glory for that. All right. So uh, the title of the message this morning is that we are ambassadors for Christ. And if I had to put a subtitle to it, which I'm going to do, because uh, we'll get to this at the end of the message, is the fact that um, not only are we ambassadors for Christ, and we're going to talk about what that means, but that also the church is God's embassy on the earth, metaphorically speaking. Scripture doesn't say that in those words, but metaphorically, we know that ambassadors work out of embassies, right? And I believe the church is God's embassy on earth. Amen. I also happen to believe it's the greatest institution on the face of the earth. There's no other power on earth, be it military or political or economic or educational or whatever you can think of, can withstand the powers of hell like the church can. Because Jesus said, right, he was going to build his church on the revelation of who Jesus was and is. And uh, he said, upon that knowledge, upon that understanding, that revelation that God given, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I want to encourage you this morning. You are on a winning team. Somebody say amen. amen. Glory to God. All right. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 18. Uh, Paul in that chapter is talking about the fact uh, in, in that verse. He's talking about the fact that we are ambassadors uh, for Christ on behalf of Christ. Now, in the natural, we know that ambassadors have uh, certain roles and responsibilities. 
And one of those things is that they represent their governmental leader, right? From the nation to which they belong. They represent that governmental entity and that, that authority. And so um, when they go before uh, another nation to represent their nation and their nation's leader, um, they are sure not to try to present their own thoughts, their own premises, their own promises, their own offers or their own demands. They, they only bring forth what their governing rulership has given them to say, right? That, that's the point of an ambassador. And so I thank God that as ministers of Christ, ambassadors for Christ, we don't come with our own version of the gospel message. Amen. Paul talked about that in Galatians. He said, look out for those people that come to you with another word that's contrary to the word that we're bringing about Christ and the gospel. And if anybody, even another angel should show up preaching some other form of the gospel, you're to reject that and reject them and have nothing to do with it. So I thank God that as ambassadors for Christ, I want to encourage us all to know that the message we bring to the world is not our own. Right. It's it's the word of God that God has put within our hearts. And that's why Paul talked about this important uh, point in Second Corinthians three, six, where he said, uh, you know, the fact is that God has made us able ministers of the New Testament. Right. Not of the not of the law, but of the spirit. And so he was aware that the message he carried came from his governmental authority, right? The king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so he was going to make sure that what he preached represented that accurately. And in the world today, there's a lot of presentations of the gospel that come in many forms and uh, deviate greatly from what the word of God says. And so this is an hour where the church of God has got to be rooted and grounded in the word of God made steadfast in its conviction that the Word of God is as it is, the Word of God and not the Word of men. And the Word of God carries power and authority and accomplishes great things when it's spoken under the anointing of the Spirit of God. And that's why Paul said, I come to you, not with enticing words of men's wisdom. He didn't want to come with great oratorical skills, although that's helpful at times, right? Try to keep people from falling asleep. That's why I enjoy Pastor Tony's jokes. They, they, <laughs> they fit well with, with what God is speaking to us and bring a, 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 a degree of insight and, and penetration that really touches your heart. And that's the kind of anointing that the world needs today. An anointing of the Holy Ghost and a demonstration of the power of God. Amen? And so we have to be bold, bold and confident in the fact that, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, uh, that he came with the, uh, the demonstration of the Holy Ghost and, and power. Now, I want to talk to you about one of the other aspects uh, of, of that message about not bringing our own word in the natural. What gives the authority to an ambassador's words and to his a presentation to other governmental leaders and nations is the fact that he knows that he's not speaking of himself. He's not speaking on his own. He's not carrying the weight of authority behind what he says, but that the one that sent him, 
<laughs> has all the authority and power to back that up. Glory to God. And so when a representative from another government receives an ambassador and should they begin to engage in a disrespect or a disregard for the word that that ambassador is bringing, uh, in effect, in reality, they're not uh, coming against that individual uh, ambassador, but they're coming against the one who sent them, right? And I want you to know this morning, as ambassadors of Christ, we have that same uh, understanding in our hearts, or at least we should, that when the world rejects us, they're rejecting Him who sent us. Yeah. Alright? Amen. So those that might mock at this message or any message brought by any man or woman of God, we ought to have confidence in knowing that when we're shamed or you know, ridiculed or belittled, that it's not us that they're coming against, but it's the one that sent us. And that's why in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus gave this assurance to his ambassadors. He said, you, he that hears you, hears me. Glory to God. He that hears you, hears me. Those that you speak to and are receptive to the word of God that you're bringing forth, they're not honoring you, they're honoring God. They're giving praise to God. They're acknowledging the God who sent you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, he that despises you despises me. And he that despises me despises him that sent me. It goes all the way up the chain of command. Starting with this disregard for you, which is a disregard for Jesus, which is a disregard for the Father himself. Amen. And so we thank God this morning. That with our ambassadorial call comes ambassadorial power and authority given to us, not because of our own position of weightiness, but because the one that sent us has all power and all authority on heaven and on earth. He's the one that carries the name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow. Amen. Every tongue's going to confess that Jesus is the Christ to the glory of God the Father. You see, when you glorify Jesus, you're glorifying the Father. Amen. You can't glorify one without glorifying the other. Jesus told the Jews, if you, if you love God as you claim, then you'd love me because he sent me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I want you to know this morning, God loves you. And he's sending you and me as ambassadors to represent him, the kingdom, and his word. Like I said, an ambassador natural doesn't bring their own agenda, their own promises, their own assurances, their own guarantees, or anything of the sort. And so this morning, I want to assure each and every one of you that when we speak, I believe it's the spirit of God speaking in and through us. Now, every ambassador in the natural comes with a message that has a purpose. They don't just come to rant and rave before another government. They come with a fundamental purpose, to communicate a fundamental idea uh, behind why they've come. They want to express something from their leadership that the government they're talking to needs to hear. And as ambassadors for Christ, God has sent us with a fundamental message into the world. This world that doesn't know God, doesn't love God, 
right? And is in peril of perishing because of that fact. All right, so the fundamental message that God has given us, if you would put up slide two, please. I, I want to talk about this. This is the fundamental message. For God so loved the world. That's the message we need to communicate to the world. They need to know that God loves them. Even though they may be unsaved, living in sin, turn their back on God. It doesn't make any difference. He still loves them. Amen. He loves the world. So much so that he gave his only begotten son. Now, about the love of God, I want to highlight a point. And that is that the love of God is great and awesome and is necessary a message as that is. The reality is the love of God doesn't save anybody. If it did, then the whole world would be saved because God so loved the world, right? So if God's love saved you, you'd be redeemed already. So God's love doesn't save, but it is universal. It's applicable to every man, woman, and child regardless of their state. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 5, he talked about the fact that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for a change in our uh, mentality or attitude. So here he says that God so loved the world, uh, but it does not save anyone, as I pointed out, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. But with that comes a warning as well. Many preachers love to preach John 3.16, and they stop at the point where the Word of God says that God so loved the world. In fact, one of the things that breaks my heart Although I know it's not meant to cause ill, one of the things that stresses me out is when I hear people go to the unsaved or folks that they believe or know or are inclined to have a revelation of the fact that they're unsaved and they tell them, you know, I want to tell you something this morning. God loves you. Well, that's true. But then they pat the person they're talking to on the back and they walk away. And, and that's a great disservice to that person. Because it may well lead them into that erroneous perception that just because God loves them, they're saved. They have nothing to worry about. They're okay. God loves them. God so loved the world. He loves me. I'm all right. He'll take me just or leave me just the way I am. No, he come to change you. But there is a consequence of rejecting that message, right? Here we see where it says, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So I have taken up the disposition to no longer just preach John 3.16 as a standalone verse, but I give them the whole thing. I give them the whole counsel of God. Amen. Yes, God loves you, and He wants you to be His child. He wants to cleanse you of your sin and your unrighteousness. Amen. But if you reject that love expression of Christ, there is a consequence. Because you've not believed in the, only, in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the sin of all sins. Jesus didn't come to the world to get you out of smoking. Huh? He's not your nicotine fix. Although it gets you there. Huh? He didn't come to get you out of pornography. Although I assure you, if you'll turn your heart and mind to Him, He'll deliver you from that and whatever else ails you spiritually. But the greatest need you have is to believe on the Son of God because all other sin flows from the rejection of the Son of God being the Savior of your life. 
the Redeemer of your soul, the one that purchased you with his blood. All other sin flows out of a rejection of Jesus. And so we need to tell the world this morning, yes, Jesus loves you, for the Bible tells you so. But it also tells you that rejecting that gift comes with a price. I love the fact that God sent Jesus into the world. In John 1.29, we're told that Jesus is the Lamb of God, huh? That came to take it away, the sin of the world. Well, how did he do it? He did it through his blood, the pouring out of his blood. Hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. There's no remission. And so when we're talking to the world and we're telling them that uh, the, the gospel message, uh, when we go into the world as ambassadors for Christ, the message we carry with them is the one Jesus gave in John 3, 7. You must be born again. It's not an option. There's a song that I've referred to before by Lady Gaga. In the song, she talks about the fact you don't have to believe in God. You don't have to love God. You just need to love yourself. And she goes on in that song to talk about the fact that whether you happen to be transgender, huh, or homosexual, or lesbian, or whatever else it may be, whatever your sexual proclivity is, and let me say this to the world and those that are listening, there are only two sexes in the world, huh, only two, not five, not ten, not twenty, not a hundred, not a hundred and fifty, not two hundred, there's only two. God created them male and female. That's it. There's no more. And as an ambassador for Jesus, that's the message you're giving to the world. But she sings in that song that no matter what your sexual proclivity or abomination that you enjoy may happen to be, you need to understand you were born that way. You were born that way. Well, even if you believe you're born that way, I have a message for you from my ruler, from my king, from my Lord, and that is, that's why you must be born again. Amen. Jesus came into this world and shed his blood in Ephesians 1, 7. It tells us this, the blood of Christ is the only remedy for man's sin. For in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You see, to save a man, it takes the power of the Holy Ghost. It takes the power of God. It takes the Son of God and the shed blood of God and the Word of God. Huh? Glory to God, but it's worth it. Amen. In God's eyes, it's worth it all. All the energy, all the effort to pull you out of your miry pit this morning. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know God, you need to be born again. You need to come to Jesus and let the blood of the Lamb of God cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 talks about the fact that Jesus, the one that loves us, and washed us from our sin in his own blood. I'm getting somewhere with this. 
Hebrews 9, 22 and 28. If you put up uh, slide number four, we skipped a couple, but that's okay because I'm running short on time. <laughs> but uh, it says here, all things are by the law. By the law. What law? The law of a man? No. The law of God. God says the only way to deal with blood is somebody got to pay. And the only acceptable penalty is the blood. Right? So, all things are by law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So if you want to know or tell somebody why Jesus died, point them to Hebrews 9.22. Because without his shed blood, your loss will stay lost. Not just now, but for all of eternity without end. The book of Ephesians talks about the fact that without a, a relationship with Jesus, you're alienated from the life of God. Alienated, cut off, separated. No association with him. And that's not the heart's desire of God to leave you that way. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And that many is everybody. It's whosoever will accept it. He'll give it to you. Glory to God. It'll work in your life. Unto him that look for him. Hallelujah. I hope somebody can raise their hand this morning and say, I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him. Amen. I'm looking for Jesus every day. Glory to God. And somewhere in my spirit, I'm tending to believe his coming is sooner rather than later, but that's up to him to decide, for no man knows the hour of the day, right? So he became the bearer of the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Amen. That's referring to the fact that when he comes the second time, it's to bring those that know him and love him, that are looking for him, into the fullness of their redemption, of their salvation, the full beginning of eternal life. Hallelujah. In John 10, 10, we all know that verse. God sent Jesus, and Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Too many preachers teach and too many people falsely believe that the life abundant that Jesus came to give them was a new house, a new car, a bank full of money, some bling bling. Huh? I want to tell you something. That's not the life he came to give us. The only abundant life he came to bring is eternal life. If you want the abundant life of God through Christ, you got to have Jesus. Huh? That's abundant life. That's life eternal. Jesus said, I speak my word to you. My word is spirit and it's life. Hallelujah. His word is spirit. It'll speak to our inner man, not our wallet. It said, I come to give them life and life more abundantly. My word is spirit. Speak to your spirit. And the life he came to give you can't be physical life. You already got it. Although some of you look like you're dead. The life that Jesus came to give is the eternal life of God to anyone that believes in him. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. So that's the eternal life we want. So Jesus came. Look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. Sister, would you put up slide 5? He came to shed his blood as we were talking about. And in Revelation 5, 9, it says in part that Jesus was slain and he redeemed us to God by his blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. I want to tell you something. The gospel of Jesus, it's not an American gospel. It's a worldwide gospel. It's for every human being on the face of the earth. It's for whosoever will, wheresoever they're at. <laughs> Hallelujah. Does that include the Afghanis, Afghanistans? Yes. Does it include the Russians? Yes. The Puerto Ricans? Yes. The Mexicans? Yes. The whites, the blacks, the yellows, the greens, the purples, the pinks? Yes. Whosoever will. The blood of the Lamb is sufficient to redeem nations. Nations. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the only hope for America is not Biden, it's not Trump, it's not the Republicans, it's not the Democrats, it's the blood of Jesus. And why did Jesus shed his blood? Because it tells us in 2 Peter 3, 9, that he's not willing that any should perish. I don't know where you are this morning with God. But I'm here to tell you as, as his ambassador, he does not want you to perish, to be lost. Yes. Right? Amen. That's the word of the Lord for you this morning. If you don't know God, if you don't know Christ his son, if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, this morning, the message from my ruler, from my king, to you in this house, and whoever's listening via video or whatever other means, is that you can be saved, born again, through the shed blood of Jesus. He doesn't want you to perish. Glory to God. Now I want to get into the heart of this message about us being uh, ambassadors for Christ. I have about, uh, let me see, six minutes. All right. So here's, here's the point. As we look at, and, and my bell will go off just to remind me that I'm there. All right. So. At the heart of point, uh, Paul's message in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, his whole point about us being ambassadors is because the fear of God about the judgment of God on sinners weighed heavy in his heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, before he gets to the fact that we're ambassadors, he talks about what moves him on the inside. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of God to give an accounting of what we've done in this life. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. And that moved Paul. It moved him greatly. It stirred his heart. It reached down on the inside of him because he had the heart of God in him. Therefore, like God, the idea of anyone being lost broke him in half. He realized that no one needed to be lost. That all men could come to the knowledge of Christ and be saved. So the idea that some would not do so and would face God and have him uh, be their judge, that they would stand before him, moved Paul greatly. And I want you to hear what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 11. In fact, I'll read verse 10. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one, each one, this is not just someone, it's everyone. It's not just anyone, it's the totality of humanity. will stand before Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in this body, whether good or evil. Now listen to this. Paul said that thought struck a chord deep on the inside of him. In verse number 11 he says, Therefore, therefore, because I know and understand that men must stand before the living God and give an account of their life before him. In a day and in an hour and in a way in which all the secrets of your heart are going to be revealed. Yeah, Nothing is going to be spared. Doesn't matter how good of a liar and deceiver and a manipulator you were on earth. It's not going to work on that day. When the souls of men are going to be brought into the open before God. Paul said, therefore, in verse 11... Knowing the fear of the Lord. In the King James it says terror. It's the word terror. Right. This fear is the flip side of the fear that Pastor Tony's been talking about. This fear is the realization that you've got to stand before God and you've got no advocate to help you unless you're born again. Then we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Right? So Paul said, knowing the fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord, what did that do to Paul? It did to him what it should do to every Christian. It should do this. We persuade others. What did he try to persuade them? That they needed the salvation of God that comes by faith in Christ. That's why he said, I preach Christ and him crucified. That was his message. Everything revolved around that message. Any subset of messages revolved around the centerpiece of Christ and Him crucified. Because without that knowledge and revelation and the embracing of that truth, no other truth can help you. So Paul said, knowing the fear of God, the terror of God, we persuade others. Now... Let me share with you how he, how he was moved in that regard before it closed. In verse number 14, Paul talked about something that love, I mean that fear did. Right? In verse 11, he says he knows the fear of the Lord. He persuaded others. In verse 14, he said the love of God controls us. The love of God constrains us. Oh, I love that. Don't you want the love of God to control your heart and mind? Don't you want the love of God to control every step you take, every word you speak, so that no matter what you say or do, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus to the glory of God? Don't you want that kind of life? Yes. Hallelujah. If you don't, you need to be saved. <laughs> this message was for you. So Paul says... Because the love of God constrained us, I came to a place where I understand that we have concluded this truth. That one, Jesus, died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all. That those that live may no longer live for themselves, 
but for him for whom sake he, was, he died and was raised. You see, that's the side of fear that Pastor Tony was talking about. We do things uh, God's way. The love of God controls you to do things God's way. And that's what Paul's saying. And one of the things that, that love that God gave to Paul and all of us was to move Paul to understand that God died for everyone, the whole earth, right? 1 John 2, 2, that we know that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And some would say, well, John, are you preaching universalism? No, I'm not. You still got to come to Jesus by faith. Listen to me. Let me tell you something. If Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk walked into this room, they would realize it's time to close. And I'm going to. If they walked into this room, stood up here on this pulpit and said, I want everyone in this room to know that we have truck full uh, after truck full after truck full of semis packed with a gift for everyone in this house. And that gift will change your life. And so they packed this house to the ceiling, pack it to the back. And they said, all you got to do is come up, this gift's for you. Everybody here, this gift will change your life no matter who you are, no matter what your condition is. But some of you got up and walked out. You thought, no, I don't trust that guy. I don't like that guy. And so you walked out on him. Let me ask you something. Does that mean that they didn't buy the gift? That they didn't bring the gift? That they didn't extend the offer? No, it seems... It means that you walked out on it. And so it is with salvation. Jesus died for the whole world. That gift is enough to change the life of every living human being that's ever lived before us, with us, or will live after us. But if you walk out on that gift, you turn your back on that gift, doesn't mean that God didn't provide for that gift. It just means you walked out on it. You refused to accept it. Huh? That's all it means. You turned your back on the gift. And so Paul, knowing that, he had a fear for mankind that they would turn their back on God. But the love of God moved him so that he would no longer look at men as dirty, filthy, rotten sinners. Right? As reprobates worthy of death. Instead, he wanted to see them as Jesus did. That's why I now understand verse 17 when he said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, his new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The therefore tells you what came before it. What came before it was God's love for the whole world. And the, what he's saying, God so loves men, he sent Jesus to die for you. And if you'll receive that gift, don't turn your back on it. I want you to know that'll make you a new creation. You'll never be the same again. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. Thanks to God. And Paul's careful to make sure that everybody knows that everything that's done through Christ is the gift of God. Verse 18. 
All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us that ministry of reconciliation. Our ministry of reconciliation as ambassadors for Christ is to tell the world, be reconciled to God. And the only way to do that is accept his gift of salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he explains, brother, he explains how God accomplishes reconciliation. You see, I need to make that clear. God doesn't need to be reconciled to us. We need to be reconciled to God. God didn't offend us. We offend him. We need to be reconciled to God. How does God accomplish that reconciliation? He tells us there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 towards the end, verse 20 and on. He says what God did is that he, like Paul, remember Paul said, I don't look at men anymore after, in the flesh, in the natural. I don't look at them as sinners. I want to see them as new creations in Christ. That's the vision I want to have for you. No matter what your existing manifested physical condition is, I want to see you as the new creation that God will make you by faith in Christ. I want to see the finished work of Christ in your life. I'm believing God that he'll make you a new creation. Huh? Glory to God. So how could he do that? Well, the word is clear there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said God did not reconcile did not count them their sins against them right he did not impute their sins against them he overlooked their sin let me close by saying to your church if we're gonna get to a place where we accurately represent Jesus as ambassadors in Christ what we have to do is start seeing people after the heart of God right as those that have the potential to become new creations in Christ and not see them as filthy dirty sinners huh Paul said, no, God did not impute their righteousness onto them, onto us. I want to encourage you this morning. Stop imputing everyone's sin on them. Stop weighing their sin as the most valuable thing you see in their lives. And start seeing them as the new creations in Christ. And Paul saw them that way, and that's why he said, thanks be unto God that God made him who knew no sin to me made sin for us why so he didn't have to see us as the sinners we are <laughs> god made him made jesus to be made right to be made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of god by faith in christ somebody give him the praise amen that's the ambassadorial message i leave you today don't stay stuck in your sin and death, but let God do a new work in you. Make you a new creation. Huh? Glory to God. Let him take your sin and put it where he wanted to, uh, needed to put it. That was on his son. Glory to God. So that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ. If you need salvation this morning, I'll be here. Uh, we got to close. I'm over my time already. I'm sorry. And um, I'll, I'll be here. We'll be available for you. We'll make sure that we bring you to a place of understanding. There's no such thing as a sinner's prayer. It's nowhere in the Word of God. God's not looking for a prayer that you wrote down on a paper. He's looking for a prayer that comes from your heart. 
Huh? He's looking for your heart this morning. What is your heart saying to God? Is your heart saying, leave me alone? Or are you looking for him? Glory to God. And this morning, if you're not looking for him, we're here to help you find him in the name of Jesus. Ah.